Hayden Thompson here and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the pack heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place and I'm excited to have you here. G'day and welcome to episode 91 where today I have Nick Simon who is the founder and owner of The Real Patico here on the show. Now located in Surrey, BC, The Real Patico is another tremendous startup business that first emerged to earn a quick buck at the start of the pandemic and has since grown into a fully-fledged business after an astounding amount of demand for their delicious Jamaican patties. Now today's conversation with Nick covers the full gamut of their startup life. From the typical production challenges that you're all probably familiar with, increasing costs, the value and necessity of automation, uh, as well as some marketing and sales, which is actually Nick's bread and butter. He's got a huge amount of experience in that space, right through to balancing home and work life. The Real Patty Co. embodies what it means to be Canadian by emerging the flavors from their Caribbean roots with the inspiration from the culinary diversity that surrounds us here as Canadians. You can stock your freezer with next day delivery service from Abbotsford to West Vancouver and everywhere in between. And for $5 off your first order of patties, use the promo code PACKHEAVY on their website. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot for having me. Mate, it's a pleasure. Um, you and I obviously met in the showroom. Well, it's not obvious for our listeners out there, but you and I met in the showroom uh, here at Food Pack a few months ago uh, when you were coming in and looking at some equipment and uh, you were also talking about packaging as well. And you and I got to talking about your business and I mentioned that I had a podcast and yeah. here we are today having the opportunity to actually like dig into the mechanics of your business. And I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you. Yeah. I'm super excited, man. It's like a long time coming and uh, we finally got, we got together and let's get into it. Dude, there's a lot. I always like to start the conversation and all of the listeners will be familiar with it with where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in sunny North Delta. Beautiful. <laughs> so, just uh, down the road. You're yeah, a local. That's so, a funny right. part is, um, is people always ask me where I'm from and, I, and, and it's like, cause people always think you're from somewhere else. Well, mm-hmm. my parents are from Trinidad. I'm from North Delta. Lovely. So born and raised, mate. It's it changed much over the years over here for you? Uh, not really. A lot no? Yeah. It's pretty much the same. Yeah, so you went to school here. What was your first job out of school? Uh, at the keg. At the I keg. Was, yeah, yeah, the keg as a as a dishwasher when I was fourteen. Yeah, I had one spot, and I stayed there for five years, worked my way up to first cook, like all the way down the line. Yeah, and uh, I was like a seventeen year old first cook, and it was kind of weird because all the people who were older than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a kitchen is a great environment to grow up in as well. You learn a lot really quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like you think on your toes and. It, yeah. it, it's not like I was a chef, so yeah. everything was like you know already set up. But you saw I had to know how to cook steaks and yeah. prime rib and how manage a line and time meals and the printers going and going. I had just have dreams about the printer. Yeah, so yeah, it was good. It was good training to like start that way for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, how long were you in the dish pit to start? Not long. I was only there for like probably two weeks, and then I moved to salad pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And then I accelerated really fast because it just my kind of environment because I just. I, my mom had me cooking with her my whole life. And so awesome. I did food booths and, and like cooking in the kitchen with her and stuff. So I just took to it really quickly. So I just kept going up and up and up and up really fast. Yeah. And did you always remain back at house or did you venture out the front as well? That's when I left. <laughs> as soon as I got 
I just, like 18, I, I left because um, it was just, yeah, I, I saw the money that was being made outside. And I was like, well, I got to do that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I switched. They wouldn't let me serve and cook there. So I went to, I went to Earl's. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. And have you always worked in the hospitality industry? Or did you manage to venture out at times? Um, I did. Um, it's mostly hospitality, but like, uh, and also like related to, because I started bartending and, and then I started networking and then um, I ended up working at, with Rockstar Energy Drink. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. As, as, a, as a rep. First I was a student rep while I was bartending, going to school in UVic, and, mm-hmm. sorry, in Victoria at Railroads. Mm-hmm. Um, then when I came back, I started working for a company called Club Vibes, which was like an online Facebook for clubs before Facebook. Like for their promotion and stuff. Yeah, it was really cool. So I, I was doing sales and all kinds of stuff for them. So that was really cool. That put me into like the the world of knowing all the bars and stuff. And then mm-hmm. and I became a rep because I was with Rockstar. Then I went to, to De Maurier and then I went to Bacardi and then, yeah. All right. So you're in the liquor industry for a while. How did you find that? It was great. It was um, yeah. it was a fun time because it was, first it was De Maurier and that was interesting because we were the only arm of advertising for the tobacco company right and they couldn't advertise and so yeah. we were it was only in 19 plus venues um and so we were really innovating figuring out how they could still advertise um when that guy after doing that for a while i got to know the whole city and all the owners and all the managers and then we were able to then when i went to bacardi it was that much easier to be able to activate for bacardi bacardi owns like gray goose and bombay mm-hmm. sapphire and all these brands so we were able to throw these big parties and have these cool innovations and we kind of took the city over. So it was a good like four years of just like the liquor rep life living in kits and, you know. Dude. Yeah. That would have been a lot of fun, I can imagine. And it's all in the past now. You're, yeah. um, you know, I guess you've sort of got to a point in your life where you must have decided that you wanted to go into business uh, for yourself. When did you sort of realize that that was something that was on the cards? Well, I, you know, I just kind of skipped things in there, but my wife and I, since we've been together, we've been quite entrepreneurial and like my background, my family's really entrepreneurial. So we had, when I left Bacardi, I had opened up some pubs and then my wife and I started a, a, a magazine called the bread magazine. Right. And the magazine was written for and by the hospitality industry. And so, um, our job was to get the voices of hotelians you would think they cared about. And then we had a print version and an online version. Yeah. Um, we started doing, we started selling advertising for the magazine and quickly uh, lots of brands were really interested in us being more than just an ad spend, but helping them sell things into the market since we had this mm. huge network of all these industry workers. And so the magazine quickly became an ad agency um, and we kind of got hijacked by a bunch of big brands. We did that for two years and then, um, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, uh, we got engaged and pre- and married and pregnant. And so as soon as she was pregnant, we're like, hey, well, this is really high paced and she can't really do it for much longer and I can't do it myself. Yeah. So we moved away from that. Um, I went and got a job with Summer Fresh Salads as a key account manager, which is yeah. a really cool job because I got to be the West Coast manager for like Costco, Salem Foods, all these cool. big, which was a really good precursor to what I'm doing now. Um, and my wife opened up a gym in our garage, which she was doing training. And now enter COVID. <laughs> Everything changes. Yeah. So COVID, um, summer fresh salads is dips. So like hummus, tzatziki, like all kinds of dips and then yep. fresh salads. Um, and 
that that took the biggest hit during COVID because all the stuff that's fresh that you would you know take for lunch or you know have mm-hmm. a quick meal. People are at home, so they can make it themselves. So we so I, I took a really big pay cut, and my wife had to shut her gym down. Obviously, because it was a gym. Mm. So we were like, hmm, how are we gonna make some extra money and pay our bills? And so we, uh, my mom used to make Jamaican patties when I was a kid. And one of my friends always asked me like, hey, when's your mom making them again? You know, and so every once in a while she'd make them and just sell like, you know, 10 dozen or something. Yeah. And so I'm like, hey, let's just put them on my Facebook wall. We'll probably get like, you know, like $500 worth of patties. We'll make them here and whatever. So I didn't even think about it. I just got some pictures from my, from old patties we made. Just posted on Facebook as we're talking. Hey yeah. guys, patties, who wants them? Didn't look back. Next thing you know, my mom called and she's like, what are you talking about making patties? You have all these orders. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I look on there in three hours, we had almost 200 dozen orders. Holy shit. Yeah. 200 dozen. Dozen. And I was like, what? I can't make this at home. <laughs> and so we tried to make it at a friend's house. We had like an industrial, industrial kitchen sort of house, but it was, still wasn't good enough. We were going to get close. So we had to find a kitchen. So we got a commissary kitchen and we made the first you know, our first big batch did a whole big delivery. And then every month we would make, we'd say, Hey, we got more. We'd make more. Um, and we would distribute them out of my wife's gym out of the garage, just put up a table and, you know, have a lineup and it was COVID. So we had like, you know, spots for people to stand. Yeah. 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 Sometimes we would have like a lineup down the street, like literally like 60 people. Um, and one day it was bad timing because the bylaw was coming to talk about the gym and, um, they saw a line of people outside. <laughs> and they're like, you can't do this. And we're yeah. like, oh yeah, okay. Had you registered the business at that stage or was it still sort of like off the cuff? Um, it, we had a business license. Yeah, yeah. But um, it was still off the cuff. Like, yeah. Like the cool thing is we, we, we got Fraser Health approved right away. So that was cool. Yeah. Uh, and we were in the commerce in your kitchen right away. So that was necessary. And then we would, so we would make the patties at the kitchen, yeah. freeze them there and then bring them here. And we had like, two deep freezers and like a stand-up freezer and we just load them with patties and then we'd be able to distribute them so we were like okay we need to find a new way um and we got a company called rocket chip uh, a friend of my sister's dane he um was doing delivery already he had all these drivers in the road and so we're like what if you guys could do like next day frozen delivery and he's like oh i don't know if we could and so we helped them set that up and now they're like next day frozen delivery masters um, you know, skip two years, skip a year and a half, but, uh, we got a new website, uh, and then we started, you know, pushing the patties that you can get next day, which is a big advantage for us because most of our competitors didn't have that flexibility. Um, a lot of them had like production days and then like delivery windows and pickup windows. Yeah. So it really gave us an advantage on the fact that we were like, if you want patties, get them right now. There's a delivery fee at the time. It was $5. So really reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And so that helped us grow rapidly. That's amazing, mate. So you're just building par levels in the freezer at the moment. No, like you're just like, you sort of have an accurate like idea of how many units you're selling a week and then you're just filling the freezer and then you guys are just pulling stock from the freezer for next day delivery. Is that how it works? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. pack orders ourselves and they'd come and they'd pick them up every morning and yeah, it was, it was a thing. And then we finally morphed, morphed into them packing the orders for us and, 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 putting freezers in their warehouses and that's when a game changed because now um we could put lots of patties there yeah and, and really what it was is we just had, we had a flavor so we would just make as many as we could in the in the time we have to make it which was roughly about two thousand a week is where we got to wow and then all by would, hand uh, all by hand yeah. yeah yeah okay 
Yeah, you put the you know the, you put the shell out and you put the thing and you yeah filling and then you roll it, take a fork and close it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was we had a whole team. Uh, yeah, so that was that that, that initial stage is like it's crazy when I think about it because we didn't even have packaging and we would have like the big ziplocs and we put sticker like we made a sticker we put a sticker on it and just yeah. hold it back in the ziploc like I yeah. look back and I'm like. Even before the sticker, we saw right on the bag, like spicy. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I look at those pictures. I'm like, I got what we sold. Like, it's important to remember those days, you know, like it's amazing how far you can come in such a short amount of time, you know? Yeah. We sold 12,000 patties like that. Like it wasn't like our first six months, it was roughly two to 3,000 patties a month. Wow. And, and this came from nowhere, really, didn't it? Like, oh, you yeah. weren't we expecting weren't this at all. Like, no, there was no plan. Yeah, in your was... mind, that $500, you're like, you know what? Let's just make $500 worth of patties and sell it. That was it. You just anticipated it to be sort of like a once-off, a quick sort of $500 cash grab just to help with a few things at home. You yeah. didn't have any plans for this. No, 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 no. And I never wow. would have planned to make patties. Patties are a real pain in the butt to make. Oh, hey? Yeah, okay. Because you need to to make the pastry and you need to make filling and, and yeah. put them together and then freeze them and bake them. Yeah. It's, like, it's just so many steps. It's yeah, baking patties would never would have been my my choice, but um, yeah, it just was like this, this like perfect alignment. Everything just started falling and happening. So it's kind of like I guess we're going with this. That's awesome. And for anybody out there listening, like I grew up in Australia and I had never come across a Jamaican patty until I came to Canada. Don't know why it just never came onto my radar, but in Australia, we're really familiar with pasties and it's like a very, very similar thing. And you've got, you know, different shaped pasties, like a Cornish pasty, which has got the spine down the middle, but the pasty that I grew up with looks just like a Jamaican patty, but with a slightly different pastry and filling, but for all intents and purposes, everyone back in Australia, if you've never heard of a Jamaican patty, that's exactly what it is. It's just spicy. And like, it's got sort of a yellow pastry as well, doesn't it? What sort of yeah. gives it that yellow pastry look? Lots of people will put like turmeric or dye okay. in it. Yeah. So yeah, ours we, ours don't ours aren't yellow at all. Um, ours are kind of like pale looking because so we ours are more of like a pie crust. Got ya. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we we did it that way intentionally because like it's a vegan crust. It's like a little more light and flaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because like what I hate most of lots of lots of patties are they're like kind of hard, like the the pastry. It's, like, it's yep. almost meant to be like that because it's yep. the filling so oily it's almost supposed to like soak into it yeah yeah Yeah. so ours is different as our filling is we don't put like any kind of pork or beef fat or any kind of like fat in the filling or the crust yeah um and so it's far flakier and lighter um so it doesn't need that hard you know Mm -hmm. crust yeah yeah got yeah and this is your mom's recipe you haven't made any adjustments like it's still the same tried and true tested recipe uh, that your well, mom was making i definitely had to adjust it because now that we, we've scaled up quite a bit yeah um could we can make a lot more patties than that and so that that recipe was very like we were making in pots right mm-hmm. um now that we're doing massive batches we definitely had to adjust it yeah and, um, yep. and be a little more realistic about some of the ingredients because some of the ingredients we were importing in and it was just like mm. was it it wasn't um reliable enough mm-hmm. uh, there's a, there's a, a uh, herb called uh, Shadon Benny. Okay. Well, Shadow Benny in, in Trinidad. And it's Vietnam's best place to get it for, for us. And it's really hard to get. It's a super distinct flavor. You can't really replicate it. Um, but my mom and all the women kind of around uh, Laura Mainland who, 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 who be cooking like forever doing festivals and stuff, they replaced cilantro with it. So that's mm. the move we made because we're like in the shadow band, we can't, can't really get it. Yeah. And then and the flavor is similar. So, you know, stuff like that ha- happened. But for the yeah. most part, it's like, I'd say it's still 90% her. Recipe. That's awesome. 
Very cool. So, man, like, um, you know, you got the ball rolling, you know, things took off very, very quickly. You saw the telltale signs of, you know, something that you could cotton onto here and, you know, really sink your teeth into. Did that excite you or were you sort of terrified? Were you like, holy shit, like, is this something that I want to do? Like, did you have a bit of hesitation or were you just thrust yourself into it? Definitely hesitation. Well, also because my wife and I are like, it's everything's us. And so, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, she would. She had a gym, and so she tried to still do the gym while she, this was happening, and yeah. it became more and more obvious that the gym wasn't going to be able to happen. Yeah, which was it was tough because it was like she loved it. She had all these like one-on-one clients and all these like classes she did, and she was making good money at it. Yeah, it was growing, but um, there was no way I could do it on my own, and it wasn't ever just me. So it wasn't like, oh, come help me. It was like we started doing it from the start together. So. Yeah, so th- mm. so there was definitely a little res- uh, resistance that way because I felt bad that she had to leave her thing and she was, was kind of didn't really want to. Um, and then on top of that, like like I said, I knew how patties were so difficult. So I was like, how does I was thinking right from the start, how do we scale this? Because even if we can get machinery, um, the machinery also needs infrastructure. So mm. the more so just because you can make more patties also means you need bigger freezers and you yep. need more rolling racks and more trays and so finances. So, exactly so yeah. it's not about oh just make more because like you know the kitchen we're in now we can't fit any more in the freezer when we when we make that yeah so yeah, yeah. We need a bigger kitchen we need a bigger freezer right so mm-hmm. so I, I knew this from the beginning so we were kind of reluctant and I, we actually talked to some mentors and some coaches and they were all like don't do it or like if you do it find a co-packer because you're going to you know build yourself make yourself a job and they were right but, and that's uh, where you and that's where you're at when you came into food pack i remember you were having conversations with a, a business uh, i think it was in a different province at the time you were you know having discussions around going to a co-packer yeah and that's what we're looking at now we have a bunch of options um we have one that's bc based and that's our kind of like our the one we want to do because bc yeah yep. so that's when we're trying to juggle around with the best we've looked at toronto and at alberta and we have two good options there um, it just, it'd be cool to be, to stay BC made yeah, yeah. and also the shipping. So we're close. We're like, I'd say two weeks away from a final decision of oh, great. our co-packing. Yeah. And, yep. and it's a big deal because then it, our volume can go up and mm-hmm. our cost comes down. And so yep. we can really attack the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good, mate. So you've got a background. You started in a kitchen. You've obviously been working in promotions and sales and marketing, and you've got all of this wealth of knowledge that you've got in your background. What mm-hmm. was your um, wife, Casey's story? What was her background? Like, obviously there's an element of fitness in there, but you know, what does she sort of bring to the party that, you know, you guys compliment each other on? Um, she is, she's, a, I, so she's, a, she's a manifesting generator. So I'm not sure if, that, awesome. if anybody knows what that means, but Casey is the ultimate sounding board. So like I'll tell her things and what she brings back yeah. is what I can then respond to. Yeah. Cool. And so the two of us together is like, it's like this, this like Megatron that, that in order for things to get to where it's going to go. So yeah. this company wouldn't be, if, if I didn't have her and she didn't have me. Mm-hmm. Um, her background, she did, she was, um, she, she, she has education in, um, I believe it's like, I don't think it's social work. I'm not sure what school, what she would, what she took in school. I'm gonna yeah. vote, but yeah. she did stuff with with like her her early jobs was like helping families who had issues with their kids and oh, awesome, them yeah, and, and like different like refugee families and stuff. So she did yeah. a lot of work with people, yeah. Um, and then she was serving for a long time, so she raised her kids serving. So yeah, that was the selling and the like the people aspect. 
Yeah. Um, so when we started doing the agencies to get um, the agency, we, we had up to, we had like 35 staff. And oh, wow. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. We had an army of people and she was managing them all. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was with her, but like our, based on our roles, that was her thing. So she's always yeah. been the one who um, just keeps us on, up, like, to, like on track. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then, and that now with Patty, Patty Kill, it's, it's the marketing and, um, and like all the admin and all the planning that she's really on. Yeah. 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 So the, the, the kind of the combination of us two is really the key to how this worked. Uh, and then what, uh, then my mom was, was uh, the kind of the last part because of her recipes and because mm. uh, neither case or I, I are chefs or, you know, like I love to cook and, and cooking. Um, my mom and I actually started a cooking show together. Oh, great. Oh, you're starting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we awesome. Gone, um, yeah. We're it's, it's coming out. It's going to be, well, I never working cause we're, we have a, some grocery partners who are going to, we're probably going to be either on their flyer or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Um, and so, and then we'll be shooting it at their test kitchen. So it's a really cool show. Um, but so my mom brings that element of like food and knowledge that we didn't have. Cause all my food I've learned is from what my mom's taught me. Uh, yeah. you know, I watch lots of cooking shows and like, I love food Yeah, and cook a lot but it's all based on her techniques and her practices. So the three of us together in that way was big. And at the beginning, my mom had to be there when we were making everything. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, when we started making the patties, it was tough because um, my mom doesn't measure anything. And so she'd be like making it, tell me what it is, I'm writing it down. And then I'd watch her, I'm like, what'd you just put in the pot? She's like, oh, I just put a little bit of time. I'm like, but I need to know, right? Yeah. We got to the point where we would give her measuring spoons and so you have to hold this measuring spoon. You have to hold this 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 measuring cup. You can't let him go. Yeah. And we had somebody sat at the pot with a pad. Somebody at the table with a pad. And I would just follow her. And we just after it took like probably five patty making sessions to get the recipe actually down. Dial it in. Yeah. Yeah. Because she she didn't know it. Yeah. Like she she knows it, but she didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And because we we're making such big batches, she had to keep tasting it and refining it, and tasting, it, refining it. So when we finally got to the point where when they came on, we don't have to come to the kitchen anymore. It was like amazing <laughs> um for her because then she had to come to the kitchen more but also because um we were able to like be free of the wild mom cooking you know yeah <laughs> yeah totally and so once you got a recipe you were able to cost it out how did you did it surprise you sort of what your unit cost was at that stage were you like holy shit we need to sort of adjust things here and evaluate you know the cost of the ingredients that we're buying oh totally it was yeah. a, a, a huge um eye-opener but because when we first launched it like i didn't do any cost day i didn't yeah. do anything like i said i just put my phone up and i, I was yeah. selling 20 dollars for a dozen which was like insane like yeah. we, we, we didn't make any money you know, yeah you may have just broken even to be honest maybe, maybe yeah to do it you know? so, <laughs> um <laughs> yeah yeah, so, yeah luckily luckily we had raised the price and then um on the next one we had, we had to raise the price since because of all, all the supply stuff but um, yeah, that was a huge eye opener. Like I didn't realize how expensive ground beef had gotten, um, even the flour shortening, like all that stuff had gotten really expensive. So yeah, yeah. When I used to start, and I have an accounting background, so when we started running the numbers, we're like, whoa, this yeah, this is heavy. Yeah. And then all the labor too, because of all the manual. So the first thing we did was find a machine that would that worked for us. Yeah, and it, it's not like a all in one machine. It's still some manual elements to it, but it definitely cut they cut our labor down by half and increase our production by 30 percent. and is that for the production of the pastry uh nope that's for the production of the actual patties so the pastry oh, right. itself, yeah we 
um, having it cut into rounds yep. and then it goes onto the machine. Um, the machine has two arms that will fold. Mm-hmm. And so you, we pre, we pre-make the filling and cool it and then you scoop it into the pastry. It folds and it's sealed and then it comes on the little belt. So just, so it, it, get rid, it gets rid of us having to go through it and put every shell down and then put filling on it and then, oh, yeah. and, you know, yep. so, yep. so it literally cut out three people from our production, which was huge. Yeah. Huge setting. Yeah. And, and then it just, it just makes, it just made it so much faster. I also made the patties more uniform. Yeah. And it was just, it just, it, it was a game changer. So we have two of those machines now. And so that's kind of the key to how we can pump through these. Yeah. Um, but really I need 15 of those machines. That's, yeah. So that's why it's the next level now would be co-packer. And yeah. then from there, get the volume up and then our own production facility where, yeah, there's no machines like that, like actually automated. Very good. Where did you come across this equipment? Was it hard to find? Like, cause it sounds pretty specialized. Good old Google, man. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, the pie master, a borough, I think it's called um, wicked company. Like he was so helpful. He, you know, helped us find the right mold shapes and his different mm-hmm. molds. He's in California and he builds these machines and like he builds them. So, he was able to like change them a bit to tweak them for what we wanted. Yeah. Um, a bunch of patty companies online messaged me about it because we posted the, the machine and I sent their contact and they sold to them. And yeah, anybody looking to do any sort of like pastry that's folded, like yeah. ravioli or anything that's like that. Yeah. That company's awesome. All right. That's good. I'll get his details off you at the end of the show and I'll put his link down in the show notes for anyone that's interested in uh, finding out a little bit more. That'd be great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so, yeah. Mate, so you started off marketing and uh, and selling primarily on Facebook. What channels are you sort of leveraging right now? Um, Facebook's still a big one. And Facebook, I got to shout out to like anybody who's looking to start something. Like the Facebook community pages are very powerful. Cool. We pretty much, our business pretty much launched on the North Delta community corner. Um, we posted on there and like, yeah, my Facebook wall had got us a bunch of people, but on the community corner that's what supported us like the delta like totally embraced us um and then so we started going to other communities and use the community pages on facebook so that was big so i would to anybody who's selling locally mm. a local product i would look at that um and and then so instagram also became really big for us because of uh because of the next day delivery and so helped our, helped our reach go beyond the community pages um and then, and it's just having the website with, with, tied with Google and Google Analytics mm-hmm. was big because we were able to see, you know, how many people come to our site and if they're converting or not, and try to just keep tweaking and playing with, with you know, what's offered. So yeah, cool. And are you doing that all of yourself, or have you outsourced all of the tech component? Uh, that's all. That's Casey for the most yeah. part. We had yeah. like a person, a couple uh, contractors that we brought in to help us like design the website and yeah you know, connect things properly or whatever, but that's, yeah, that's Casey's department. That's awesome. How many hours a week do you think she spends on it? Um, I'd say probably 10, yeah. I'd say probably 10 hours a week is devoted to just like all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Tweaking campaigns, making sure they're current, that they're all sort of activated and everything's sort of humming along nicely about yeah. 10 hours. Eh? Okay, yeah. cool. And, um, what kind of like, if, I don't know how to sort of ask this question, but like for that 10 hour investment and, what other channels of revenue do you have coming in? Because you're selling retail now as well, or are you purely online and doing your own deliveries? Um, so that that's our direct to consumer. DTC, um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we have a DTC channel, but we also yeah. have retail channels. We have yeah. like now, I think, five retail stores. Cool, yeah. And then we have, uh, I think, nine food service accounts. Okay. 
um, yeah, so and those those will I will be able to grow once yeah. we have the co-packer. Yeah. Because um, right, and also the market. So right now, Vancouver farmers markets and and Fort Langley and Boston, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a bunch of markets that we do. Yeah. That are probably a good 60 percent of our sales. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, people know we're there, and so we'll sell a whole bunch there. Um, the delivery would be the rest, and then the food service and retail. But we're kind of just dabbling in it. Um, we haven't really gone and tried to get a bunch yeah. because it's uh, we sell out. So we don't have the capacity to really grow in, the, in the, there unless if we pull from the markets so we could. Yeah. But, but what we're doing right now, we're pretty much selling everything we make. You're maxed out. Yeah. Every two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So the co-pack is a really important step for you. Oh, it's yeah, it's crucial. It's like, critical. Yeah. Yeah. So when evaluating a co-packer, I can imagine there'd be a few moving pieces there. Obviously, do they have the capacity and do they have the um, capabilities to be able to actually produce your product um, yeah. in a consistent manner and, you know, meet your high expectations. What other sort of things were you looking for? Um, the, f- the federal. Um, yeah. Certification. Yeah, federally so certified. Yeah. 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 yeah, That's huge. Cause then. Or licensed. Yeah. Yeah. And it allows us to sell outside of province and outside mm-hmm. of country. So it makes us more versatile. Yeah. And just the flexibility to um, be able to, to, to work with us. It's one thing to produce a product, but like we have lots of like seasonal flavors and things we want to play with and mm-hmm. things we want to do. And like, so a couple of people, people got ruled out because they're like, okay, well, we need six months notice of these flavors and what it is. And I'm like, I can't give you six months notice. Like, what if we decide we want to do a shrimp and, you know, whatever patty? You yeah. know, like, I want yeah. to do that right now. And so um, the, the people we're working with now, they're like that. They're, they want to do the small batches. They're, it's a bit more when you do the small batches, but yeah. we do small, you know, flavors and, keep up what we've been doing you know we do lots of dessert patties apple and yeah um, blueberry and stuff and so we want to keep that stuff going but not necessarily make ten thousand of them because because you know, they've got an moq yeah exactly yeah. yeah so so yeah so that was a big one is because we don't want, want to just make three flavors and then that's it yeah um, and that that's what we we pretty much will find Okay, cool. And then, so, um, you know, you've obviously sat down and had meetings and, you know, done trials and tasted and all that kind of stuff. Were you happy? Like, well, you know, in general, when you were um, qualifying these um, co-packers, were you happy with the quality or were you surprised? You know? Oh, super happy. Is there, like, what I'm asking, is there, like, is there a contrast out there or is everybody, like, killing it right now? Well, it's because most patties are, patties are street food and it's supposed to be cheap. It's supposed to be made with, like bad ingredients this is yeah. kind of how it is yeah throw it it's, all together yeah yeah and it's like lots of beef fat lots of filler like you open it up you look at it like is this beef like what is this right mm-hmm. um that's kind of the way patties are so the people we've been talking to they were happy to work with us because ours is more of a premium patty right which is expected to cost a bit more because we don't use fillers we don't use yeah you know, pork fat yeah and when you look at our filling it's beef or it's chicken or it's veggies and beef and veggies and chicken or whatever it is that's supposed to be in there you can see it when you look at it uh, and so everyone we were working with has been like excited about it because they're like oh we could make like a like a quality product you know and like mm-hmm. so we we've had some really good um some really good uh samples that we've gotten that we've yeah. got um the key the hardest part has been our pastry because most people don't make a pastry because for most federal places, you either specialize in you just do meat, or if you're yeah. a bakery, you just do your bakery. Yeah, not a lot of places can do you know like a high quality um, pastry, and ours is like a pie crust pastry, so it's like you need to know what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, and also do like beef or chicken, right? So the, the list got short, uh, and that I guess that's the, kind of the hardest part with patties. Yeah, right? yeah. 
You mentioned earlier on in the conversation that you consulted with a uh, a coach or a consultant. Yeah. Um, how, how did you come across these people? Like, do you still talk to them today? Yeah. Um, there's one, it's because a friend of mine, she has a, a great company. And when we started, she, she let me know that her, 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 her boyfriend was, used to be a chef in Jamaica right. and had, um, was like a business consultant and, and they have this business stuff together. So we called him and cool. his name's Craig and he was amazing. Like just blew us away. And plus, so he, I check in with him every couple of months just to see, what, make sure we're on track and get ideas from him and see what's going on in the market. And then my mom's got a lot because she's, my mom works with the overweighted group, like Save on Foods. Oh, them. right. Yeah. 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 Yep. Really closely. So yeah. Um, also them, I, I just reach got a lot of them. good insights there. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, Susan Nikzowski, who um, owns Summer Fresh Salads, I used to work for it. Also her, so I'll call her and be like, hey, like, because she started her kitchen, her in her kitchen, right? Yeah. And she built it to, you know, hundreds of millions in sales. Like she's amazing. Yeah. She's one of the best entrepreneurs in Canada we've ever had. And most people don't know her. No, I'll have so, to get her on the show. She's amazing. Like, I'm not kidding you. She's like, introduce me. I'd love that. I will. She's one of the best entrepreneurs I've ever met. Um, and she's just fierce and she's, kind and she's so smart yeah and it was crazy when i worked for her like she would know the details because it's same on foods i'm dealing with or like costco which is like massive accounts yeah she would remember details from like some email i sent her like months ago I'm like what about that thing that i'm like how do you remember all of this <laughs> massive company? yeah i know people like that as well they're so sharp and i'm like yeah i can't remember what i had for lunch yesterday well, man, if I give you like 25% of what you did, I'll be a billionaire. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really lucky that um, not just from my network, because there's people from my network too, like like Justin Elton from, from 10 Star and like there's all these people who I've reached out to get advice from um, and then by my mom's network and then also from, yeah, just just through the industry. So Networking in the industry. Yeah. yeah we're super lucky. Oh, very cool. Are you a member of any associations like the BC Food and Beverage Industry uh, Association, or do you sort of get to the CHFA and walk the floor? Or yeah, yeah, we've done that, and um, because my mom's in all of those, so we kind of like piggyback into them. So she'll yep. like have the patties with her stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we haven't joined anything officially. To be honest, we've been so, so busy working in the business, we haven't spent mm. a lot of time working on it. Yeah. Uh, we also did consulting with Ryan Owahan um, and his marketing team, and they were okay. really big for us to for us to see that how much time we're not spending on the business. Yeah. So taking that time away from the business to like talk about the marketing and the branding and, yeah. and our identity and all those things was, we are like, well, we need to do a lot more of this. Yeah. Be strategic. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's another reason why we need to co-packer so we can, you know, join those associations, do other types of networking where it comes to like um, inventory and shared um the, the things we can share with other companies and you yeah. know, grow together, right? Yeah. Efficiencies and things. So yeah, that's kind of the next thing is for Casey and I to like take a step back out of the company and be able to, to get the product made for us. And that frees up so much more of our time. And you mentioned you've got kids. How old are they? Um, so we have Dallin is 21. Yeah. And Hallie is turning 16 in September. Yeah. And Hazel is three and a half. Oh, you've got a Hazel. Yeah. I've got a Hazel at home too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My Hazel's about to turn three in October. Oh, cool. They're like almost three. <laughs> we going to play together. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> mate, so you've definitely got your hands full. So yeah, between yeah. everything you're doing with the business, home life, it's hectic. So how do you balance it all? Like, what do you do to keep yourself like balanced? And I guess the other question that I've got as well is like, 
I grew up in my parents' business and mum and dad worked together and I saw the stress that working together and home life can bring to a marriage. So I was wondering sort of whether you had a release valve in your marriage that sort of you guys utilized and um, if you had any tips or any other sort of husband, wife teams out there, what sort of, what would you offer them in terms of advice? Wow. That's a big one. Yeah. That's huge. Actually. That's one of the biggest thing. Um, so my wife and I, we, we had, a, we had, we had a, a time there where I didn't really realize that we were spending all of our time on patties. We didn't do anything together. We weren't going on dates. It was like dealing with Hazel. Cause luckily we have Hallie. Who's like yeah. our like, built-in babysitter. Cause she's yeah. a perfect age. Yep. Like every every kid should come with a twelve year old, twelve year old girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that helps a lot. But we, yeah, yeah, we realized that we weren't doing anything, so we just started taking time out for dates and like to make sure we were still spending time together and like enjoying each other. And and then um, meditation was has been really big. Like yep. just making sure we take time to be still on your own and like you know just just to you know be healthy mind. Yeah. Um, and like because we're both. Like spiritual like not really religious but spiritual and like mm-hmm. that has been really big for us because we connect that way um casey's really big on like human design and she's really big on astrology but like just on on the, the reason why uh, how you were designed to to best be your best self mm. um which is like it's i it's so eye-opening when you go through it so all of that has really helped us so the advice i would give to people it would be like make sure you, you spend some time away from the business. Like, mm-hmm. cause even when you're away from the business, you're still in it. Like you're not allowed to talk about the business. Yeah. Like go on dates and then also have some sort of like something that's bigger than the business and yourselves. That is important to, to your relationship. And so the spirituality was that, was that for us mm-hmm. taking the time to meditate and taking the time to like, to just try to be a better version of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, they're great tips. Thank you for that. Um, you've got, pretty big aspirations for the business this business sort of what kind of timeline are you working with at the moment like are you looking five years into the future are you looking sort of further out in terms of like the vision that you have for it and then at what point do you start planning and how far out are you planning um well yeah so it's definitely a five-year plan because the way i see it is patties are in a place right now that pizza was 70 years ago Mm -hmm. 70 years ago people didn't know what pizza was right so unless you lived in in a neighborhood that was rich with italians um, they called it tomato pie. And, and if you didn't know what pizza was, it wasn't weird. Now, you fast forward 70 years after, you know, it goes to the mainstream, people start seeing how convenient it is, seeing how delicious it is, start making it the way they want to make it themselves. It's, you can't even recognize it. You go to Italy and order pizza. Like, what's this? This isn't pizza, right? In Canada, we have, in Surrey, you have, like, you know, East Indian pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. very different than the pizza you get in, like, Germany or a Greek pizza or an yeah. actual Italian Canadian pizza that's been morphed, right? Like, going to yeah. commercial drive. So, so the patties are there. Patties in a place where it's ultimate convenient food. You know, it's really easy to just heat up, make a salad and have. Most people don't know it. So our, our goal is to be the first patty that most people have and to, to really bring it to the mainstream in a premium way, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are turned off by patties sometimes. So they look inside and go, what is this, right? And people are really conscious of what they're eating. So our, our patty is far cleaner. And, you know, it's such a wholesome food. So, so our plan is, especially with the co-packer, now we can go out of province and now we can go with larger retailers who, who require a certain certification of food quality. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's, so that's, that's the plan is to, to really go, you know, more mainstream and to really blow it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but to really also to, to use the conversation around what is Canadian food mm-hmm. to do it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole thing is really about um, like Canada. Almost, we almost have no identity at times. Where it's a melting pot, isn't it? Same thing in Australia. Like we are in, like we are so heavily influenced in Australia and Canada by all of the cultures that have settled here. Yeah. It's what I love about these countries the most, because like you said, you can go to Surrey and get the most outstanding Indian food. And, you know, yeah. every little pocket, like you go up to North Vancouver and you've got all these awesome sort of like um, Eastern restaurants and like, it's amazing the pockets that you can have. And you're right. So yeah. like bringing this Jamaican food to Canada and, you know, for me, I've had a couple of Jamaican um, patties now and they all are very, very different. And uh, yeah. So what you're trying to do is like bring a unique sort of quality in terms like version of it in terms of like a really clean ingredients list and quality ingredients that you can see is that what you're saying exactly and yeah. it, it, it plays really well for like when we go to, to mature markets like toronto <laughs> and montreal where patties yeah. are like you know pizza or hot dogs um because then it will be the premium offer or for people who are first finding patties yeah they're they'll find a good patty so it'll help them yeah. introduce them to to you know in the best way possible yeah yeah yeah, and the Canadian food thing's really important to me because I feel like it it's like a metaphor for what Canada is, right? Like we're we're a, we're a cultural mix like dish that's mixed together. Yeah. So when things when we make something here it changes and it becomes Canadian. Just like so like my family's from Trinidad, mm. my parents from Trinidad, I'm not. I'm from Delta, right? Yeah. yeah. So but people will say where are you from? Like yeah. like as though I can't be from here. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. But we're, yeah. we're, all, we're, all, we're all Canadian. Yes. And so our food's like that. And so people say, oh, I want the authentic patties. But what, what's an authentic patty? I have to buy it from Jamaica. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. once it's made here, it's no longer really authentic, is it? Right. So, yeah. and that's not, that, that people have to realize that that's okay. You know, yeah. like non authentic Chinese food, non authentic Japanese food, our version is still good. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And it's not saying that the authentic version is not good, but what we create here is ours. Yeah. And it's just as good. Yeah, yeah, it is. I just had a really interesting conversation with Andrea Gray Grant a couple of episodes ago where we were talking about, um, you know, the cultural melting pot that the food industry brings in that it brings people from all over the world into the industry and the value that that can bring to just culture in general and the lives that we're all living. Um, you mentioned before that, you know, people ask you where you're from. Like I did at the start of this episode, I ask everybody that question because I guess I'm, I'm not even here from myself. I'm from Australia and yeah. I'm just interested in people's backgrounds and stories. But, you know, when people make the assumption that you're from another country, like did that used to impact you as a kid? Like how was that sort of grow- for you growing up? Did it, is it something you thought about or? I didn't think it was. Um, yeah. But as I did, started doing all the spiritual work and all the meditation stuff, I yeah. started realizing these things that are blocking you. Yeah. And there's a lot of growing up in like a like a, a, a mostly white, uh, you know, communities, world community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I didn't realize I was dealing with, and that was yeah. one of them. It was like feeling like I didn't belong here, like I was mm. like not from here. And then, but when I would talk to people from Trinidad, I wasn't from there. Yeah. And so, and then you see like you know black on TV, it's like American black. I'm yeah. not that, you know. Yeah. Like so, I was yeah. like, well, what am I? Right. <laughs> so I didn't realize how much of a problem I, problem I had with that. Um, which is a, which is a big reason why, like, so like we're doing an event with Gravel Island, um, at, at Gravel Island, um, at the end of September. Yeah. And it's, what is, it's, it's a conversation around what is Canadian food. Mm. And you, you're going to see a lot more of, of, of us pushing this campaign of what is Canadian food, because it really speaks to what is Canadian, right? But we don't want to be boring and be like, Hey, let's all be, well, it's Canadian. You know, yeah. when you speak about Canadian food, it links us. And when you try something like you try Jamaican patty, you feel a little, closer to that to a care the caribbean culture you have yeah. better understanding of it right yeah 
yeah. Um, same goes with, with shawarma or any other food. Once, once you kind of walk into that world and you try that, you now have, there's less ignorance there. There's yeah. more knowledge. So yeah, so um, there's the event and also the cooking show, which is called The Local Ethnic. And that's mm-hmm. focused around the fact that there is no such thing as really ethnic food here. It's Canadian food. It's the food we eat. Sushi's not ethnic. You know, Caribbean food's not ethnic. People eat it every day. Yeah. Canadians eat it every day. Yeah. Uh, so what my mom, um, the fact that she raised my, um, my brothers and sisters and I um, as in Canada, but she's Trinidadian and she trying to make Trinidadian foods. We're like, oh, no, I, I, mom, I want, you know, peanut butter and jam sandwiches for lunch and I want hot dogs. And she'd be like, what? Like, I don't know that. Right. Yeah. And so she started, you know, making spaghetti, but making it her way, but making, you know, making, you know, she's not anything cold. Putting Jamaican spices in a spaghetti kind of thing. Yeah. So like, you put jerk <laughs> that's amazing. Right? You put yeah. Jerk and you, like you, yeah. You just cook it in a way that you cook with what's in your pantry and what you know. Yeah. 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 I do and the same your thing. Influence, yeah. Right. Yeah. It still tastes yeah. really good. Right. I yeah. mean, but I'm not anything cold. Like in, in the Caribbean, a lot of people don't eat cold food. Mm. So, so like, 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 for example, like a summer fresh pasta, she, um, they're delicious on its own, but she would fry it and add jerk to it or add seasonings to it and add pepper and like, yeah, it becomes something else. But the base is still that flavor, right? That so, so that's really what what I'm about and that's what you're going to see a lot more of from like the event to the cooking show. It's all going to be talking about like this, this conversation around what is Canadian food and us understanding each other better. Mate, I'll have to get that website link off you as well. I'd be interested in coming along myself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That'd be great. I'd love to learn more about it. Um, tell us a little bit more before we wrap this up about the, uh, the show that you're doing. Is it an online, is this like on YouTube or is it actually like something that's going to be aired on TV? Uh, it'll be on YouTube start. So, yeah. um, it's kind of like we're in like, I guess, what's it, pilot mode. So we have some sponsors and some partners who are interested. So and we have a really good film crew because I I worked in film my whole life. So all oh, right, cool effects and I've yeah, acted and everything. So yeah, um, so I have a really cool um, Dale Shipham who's going to be working with us to shoot it, and so it's going to be it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, um, in case we have to shoot it, and it's beautiful. Yeah, um, but really the focus is because my mom and I have done lots of cooking stages together. We did a cooking show with Delta Delta Cooks. Okay, we've done a lot of cooking together, and there's a lot of like banter because she's taught me everything yeah but i've been cooking so much on my own now that i really branched out so like we have this like back and forth that's kind of funny um and it's really about uh, us showing you know all these kind of fusion i don't like that word but it's fusion foods i know what you mean cook, yeah yeah cooked yeah. in a way that that my mom would make it you know yeah like, how would like my the mom spaghetti make? you mentioned before yeah yeah exactly you know how, like like when we make tacos like it's like it's there's a lots of jerk in that taco that taco <laughs> meat right like it's and it's delicious but it's just it's different right yeah so, that's cool yeah so the show's fun that way where we're actually but it's a demo show so we're actually gonna have brands it's, yeah. it's not really about how to cook it it's like how to go to the grocery buy these six things and these brands and make this meal yeah dude that's awesome i feel like we've just scratched the surface and yeah. we could talk for another hour but listen thank you very much for your time today i really do appreciate it uh for anyone listening out there like i did mention uh when we kicked off the show um nick has been generous enough to offer everybody out there listening five dollars off on your first order of jamaican patties by using the promo code pack heavy so i encourage you all to do that and get that next day delivery and uh mate um if anybody wanted to get in touch and have a chat with you and learn a little bit more about you what's the best way to go about it um on instagram or the real patty co um that's where we live um our contact at the contact at eat the real patty is our email so those are two best ways to cut to connect me personally i'm nick Ahu on instagram so you want to message me and say what's up awesome 
That's great. And it's a shame Casey couldn't come online. I would have loved to have met her too. So say hello to Casey for me. And uh, yeah, mate, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. This is great. I really, really enjoyed it. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. Thanks again for taking the time out of your busy day to join me for today's episode. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation or if you've got any questions, feel free to shoot me an email at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn or Instagram at thepackheavypodcast. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about how I can help you with your business and your packaging vision, feel free to drop me a line and we'll continue the conversation there too. I'll see you next week.